Welcome to Best Served, a podcast recognizing unsung hospitality heroes. Join Chef Jensen Cummings as he chops it up with industry leaders about the humans who've impacted their lives and careers. From childhood guides, to ass-kicking mentors, to the team members in the trenches that make it all happen. Help us celebrate these rock stars by sharing our show and nominating your own unsung hospitality heroes. Connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Now here is your host. What's up, podcast? It's Corey from Best Served. This podcast episode is a clubhouse recording called Walk-In Dynamics. Restaurants, walk-in coolers have become the place for people to cry, scream, or break down. So we discussed how to turn these walk-in dynamics into ways to improve you and your team's mental health. Hope you guys enjoy. All right. Welcome, everybody. Uh, you know, Best Served uh, Creative, F&B Creatives is the club that we started. And so I'm super grateful to have uh, uh, moved this this month around a little bit and gotten into some other clubs. So today, uh, El Banks de Bossi is letting us use their club. So appreciate that. So definitely for anybody uh, follow what they're up to a lot of raw real hard-hitting conversations which i always appreciate and then our group as well the uh best served f&b creatives definitely follow those <clears throat> those groups so you can stay in tune with all the conversations happening so really important stuff walk-in dynamics this uh very much feeds into our mission at Best Served, where we really want to amplify the worth and work of people who feed their communities. Balancing work and worth is such a huge struggle for us. We'll get into a lot of the reasons. Walking dynamics, we're going to touch on some heavy stuff for sure, yet this is a little bit more fun. I think there's going to be a lot of cathartic moments for us as we reminisce on some uh, amazing moments, some trying moments i feel like the walk-in every single human emotion has been expressed and felt in the walk-in and, and other safe spaces uh that we find throughout the the restaurant itself so we're going to dig into that a little bit so uh break it down for you a little bit i'm gonna let the uh the panel introduce themselves just real quick uh less than a minute to kind of know who everybody is that we're going to be hearing from today we're going to i'll touch on the different kind of three areas of discussion we want to touch on and i'll break those down a little bit uh, as mimi mentioned we will invite people up on the stage a few different times to kind of tell their story to give context to what we're talking about or ask the moderators any questions and then once again i'll reiterate this a few different times uh we will be putting this up on best of podcast and there'll be some resources always that we link up there too as well so you can take some of the things that we're thinking about talking about learning about and be able to apply them practically in the day-to-day and the interpersonal moments that you have within your restaurant within your hospitality food and beverage business all right so no further ado i want to go around uh, the table so to speak we'll just go top left to right top to bottom is kind of the way it'll run so katie if you want to start us off we'll go to cat and uh, and talk around the room a little bit. Just introduce yourselves, and specifically tell us uh, where you're from. We get people from all over the country, so I want to know, kind of give us a sense of place from where you're speaking to us from. Thank you so much, Chef. Um, I am Chef Katie Horn. Um, I have been a chef for about 20 years or so. I officially stepped out of the kitchen and um, kind of rededicated my purpose with my new company. Um, I am in charge of culture. Uh, it's it's kind of a, a dream job in the sense it's like I finally get to kind of pay it back and um, 
you know, just really make an impact on the culture, at least in my company and, you know, right a lot of the wrongs that I saw down the way. So um, that's been a really, really fun journey for me. Um, I grew up in Wisconsin and moved to New York. I went to CIA, graduated 05 and 06. Um, moved to Texas about 10 years ago. I live in Plano with my husband, Sean Horn, and our three awesome fur children. Um, and I am super excited to be here today. I am digging everything that um, you know we all stand for, and I think it's really cool to have this community together. Thanks for that, Kat. You want to jump in and tell us a little about yourself? Yeah, first of all, thank you so much for putting this all together. I just, everybody uh, who's been participating in all of this, it's just so incredible to have the solidarity um, out there working working on all of this because I feel like a lot of us who are talking about the food world and mental health uh, probably felt for a long time like we were operating in isolation. Um, I know that I did when I started talking really publicly about it about five and a half years ago. I'm a food editor. Um, I'm senior editor at Food and Wine, and I also write pretty extensively about mental health, uh, both my own and uh, that of people in the restaurant industry. And when I first started talking about this with the website Chefs with Issues, uh, it was a pretty lonely place. Nobody really wanted to have these discussions. And if you told me that, you know, five and a half years from when I started that, that we would be having these public conversations, uh, you would have absolutely blown my mind. It's been the greatest, like, calling and gift of my uh, you know, past chunk of my adult life that I get to talk with people who work at restaurants around the country and around the world about what is going on in their places and trying to make this a better culture for, for everyone. And I am uh, speaking to you from my living room in Brooklyn, New York. Kat, yeah, thanks for the leadership and jumping into this difficult topic so long ago. It took a lot of us a while to catch up, but we're getting there and we're starting to see not just the openness to be able to have the conversation, but some systemic change on the horizon. So appreciate that. Uh, John Hinman, you want to jump in and introduce yourself? Hey, everybody. I'm John Hinman, local pie provider, owner of Hinman's Pies in Denver, Colorado. Um, I'm also the founder of Culinary Hospitality Outreach and Wellness, which we call Chow, and we um, <clears throat> are so excited to be a part of this. And and um, we provide meetings for uh, restaurant folks uh, four nights a week now. Um, when COVID hit, we really got a chance to expand, and we were able to provide over 1,000 hours of uh, professional services for restaurant workers and fed about 30,000 people. Um, Throughout that time, I was able to really help with a lot of rent relief. Um, but it's just an honor to be here. I'm so excited, uh, especially to get to hear from Patrick and Kat again. I'm, I'm excited to hear from you and reconnect with you guys. Thanks. John, the pies look really great in your profile, by the way. just want to acknowledge that for the room. Uh, sorry you. for anybody who's listening to this on the podcast later. You'll miss out on that icon, but go follow John Hinman on uh on Clubhouse, you'll know what I'm talking about. Laura, good to see you again, two weeks in a row. Appreciate you being Ooh. back. Uh, <laughs> tell us uh, a little bit about uh, yourself, where you coming from specifically. I like this, knowing where everybody's at, uh, because I think what's interesting is we all have very unique experiences. We have a lot of shared experiences, and I think seeing those patterns break out across the country at different levels is super interesting. So tell us where you're coming from, too. 
Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Laura Louise Green. I am in Chicago, Illinois. Um, my dog, I'm sitting on my couch in my living room and my dog is just like laying at my feet. It's pretty cute. So here for it. Um, but um, who am I? I am a licensed professional counselor here in the state of Illinois. Um, I have a company called Healthy Poor that I'm you know, I, for, I would say quite a few years, I used sort of as an umbrella just to sort of address, do what I could to address the mental health issues in the hospitality industry with the skill set that I had. I've worked in house. I should, I should actually go back a little bit further. I've worked in hospitality for all my adult life, which is coming up on 20 years now. And, um, I decided to go back to school to be a counselor because it was such an unhealthy and such a um, it just wasn't a good environment for me. And I, I saw myself going down a path that I wasn't super happy with. And so I went back to school to become a counselor. Four years later, I graduated. And then I realized that um, I had built skills that I could use to, you know, address the reasons why I wanted to leave the hospitality industry. I started questioning why things were how they were, you know, why we were drinking the way that we were, what the relationships looked like. And from that came um, healthy poor, which like I said, started as a, um, a sort of catch all just to capture the work that I was doing, whatever that looked like, whatever, like really whatever I could get my hands on, I was doing, but now, um, I'm transitioning from, you know, sort of that catch all umbrella into a full consultancy. So working with bars, restaurants, hotels, brands to train management staff, primarily look at leadership, you know, helping people to reimagine different ways that we can, you know, be hospitable and provide services and, um, you know, capture what we love so much about what we do, but without harming the individuals, um, the individuals who are seeking to do that work. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a pleasure to do this work. And Kat, I'll be real with you. As you started saying the five and a half years ago, I remember it would have been early 2016. I remember I was approaching my graduation and I was like, I think I want to work in the hospitality industry. Like this is the population I want to work with. I'm here for this. I'm like, we got to do something about it. And someone was like, have you heard of chefs with issues? So thank you for pioneering the way. Um, I think a lot, I agree with you a lot of times it really did feel like, you know, screaming into the abyss. And so, you know, seeing your website and seeing the work that you were doing was really validating and it, it made the work not so lonely and isolating. So that's who I am. Um, yeah, Healthy Poor is my company. My name is Laura Louise Green. I'm a therapist and I'm done speaking. Thank you, Patrick. Let's, let's get you uh, intro. And then uh, for everybody, I saw Melinda, Steve, Monty, a couple of hand raising, we'll get you guys. I wanna go back around and just high level walking dynamics uh, before we do. Uh, open it up a little bit. And uh, so, Patrick, if you want to take us there, just to give you guys a little breakdown of timing, we will get everybody up on the stage for sure. Hi, I'm Patrick Mulvaney. I'm standing in front of my restaurant in sunny Sacramento, California. And as soon as we're done with this, my friends are bringing in a wild boar to butcher. So pretty cool day. Um, having a pretty rough week. I'll just be honest with everybody. It's uh, Growing pains are hard, right, as we reopen the restaurant. Uh, it's been a struggle, uh, one that I'm not doing too well with uh, this week. So I've been spending a lot of time, as we say, in the walk-in. And, uh, and then this morning I, I had a friend, too, who passed away uh, after losing a battle with, uh, with the bottle. 
So, tough day, and when we started in 2018, acknowledging in restaurants here in Sacramento that mental health was an issue in our industry, we got a chance with uh, lots of friends, lots of help in the community to uh, put together an organization called I Got Your Back, which is based on three things. It's an organ the leadership saying, let's talk about mental health, it's okay not to be okay to provide peer uh, counseling, advising, uh, referral, and validation, and then to provide online resources. Well, the truth is that we already have in our industry that peer counseling. Everybody has their crazy bartender, uh, the waitress who's a doula, um, the cook who, who is uh, Uncle Joe. So that was really built in, and, and for us it's been the change in conversation, we've changed the way we talk about mental health in Sacramento to where what I say now is, is where we're at is instead of saying, how are you doing? We say, how are you doing really? And it's that comma between, it's the space between the comma and the really that gives people the opportunity to talk and let them know that it's okay. And so I uh, wanna thank everyone on this call for all their work in this uh, field because when we talk about things and show vulnerability, it only gives us strength. And last thing is that it has been over two years since I've had one of Hinman's pies, and I still haven't gotten any motherfuckers coming back from Denver to bring me a pie. Oh, Patrick, thank you, first of all, for, for your vulnerability and leadership in that. I appreciate that. I know how hard... It is for so many people right now, especially what you just mentioned, to, to be here, I think, uh, speaks to your commitment to this. And uh, and I think hopefully this is a, a good space, as I mentioned, some cathartic moments for us to spend some time in the walk-in uh, together. And yeah, we got to do something about getting you some pies. Uh, I, feel your, I feel your pain. So, uh, <clears throat> all right. So I'm going to let all the mods, we'll go back through. I just want high-level thinking, maybe a personal story, maybe your hot take, maybe something that you want to like really set the tone for this conversation about the walk-ins. For that, I just kind of wanted to break down some of the uh, different areas we're going to discuss, maybe 15 minutes on each of these areas as we want to be on for about an hour, hour and 10 minutes perhaps. Uh, I want to talk about first psychological safety and safe spaces what that really means what we're creating the dynamic for that i think we're going to find a lot of times our moments in the walk-in were were self-imposed they were it's that or i'm going to completely lose my shit and want to find ways for us to, to build foundationally into the business the opportunity to create those spaces uh for the inevitability of needing a moment, whatever that means for you. So that's first. Uh, normalizing communication is going to be very important in this process as well, so that we don't have to go and hide to have emotions, because we have a way that is normalized within the flow of the business, within the day-to-day -day operations, to be able to communicate where we're at, a la what Patrick just mentioned, that just that question with that little bit of pause in it. And then some techniques for decompressing, for de-escalating, uh, anything that's that's focusing on breathing, grounding, anything that we can practically do and apply. So those are the three different areas, uh, moderators for you. We'll kind of go through that progression. So I know th some things will just overlap into each other, but uh, if we can dig deep into those three areas, that'll be the goal. Uh, all right, so I wanna start back around the horn again. Katie, have you start us off? personal story take you know two minutes tell us a little bit about walk-in dynamics for you oh man there's such a, a love-hate relationship with the walk-in for me um 
you know, let's start with the love part of it. Um, it, it's a safe place to go and, and organize yourself. And in turn, you organize your walk-in. I don't know about any of the other chefs out there, but I will, if I'm stressed out, I'll go into my walk-in and just start organizing, getting it clean, getting something set. Um, you know, and there's, there's that nice sense of accomplishment and it, it calms my anxiety. You know, I have, I have severe anxiety. And so that's one of my, my safe things that I can do that, you know, is beneficial to the, to the operation. Um, you know, the flip side of that, like I'm a woman in a male dominated industry. Like I can tell you, oh man, this, the stuff that has been said to me in the walk-in, I mean, I ha- I have seen it all. I mean, literally seen it all. Um, you know, and so there's also that flip side of the coin where it's like, you know, I didn't as a line cook and as, um, you know, like a pastry chef and stuff, I never wanted to spend a lot of time in the walk-in because I never wanted to put myself in those types of situations. But I mean, it's a kitchen, it's inevitable. And so I think there's also kind of this dark underbelly of the walk-in for for a lot of, um, especially women in the industry. And I think that um, one of the things I really took seriously when, you know, I got higher and higher in the ranks and, you know, being an executive chef is just making sure that, um, you know, keeping an eye on the walk-in flow, who's gone in, who's gone out, you know, how long they're in there, you know, that kind of stuff um, has really made the walk-in more of a safe spot um, for at least my locations and my restaurants. So, you know, I think, I think the walk-in is just a really diverse place, to be honest, you know, it can, it can be the place where you need to cry it out because God forbid you show emotion in the kitchen, like you said, and, uh, you know, it can just be, it can be a really um, hairy place too. So uh, that's my take on it. Yeah, I think it's interesting that you talk about you're just even having to f- keep track on who's been in and out of there. Uh, it's almost a an opportunity for you to recognize where people are at because they don't want to tell you because maybe we haven't created that psychological safety in space yet. Uh, you can see the frequency that they might uh, be hitting some of these spaces that just, I don't know, just automatically uh, become that. And I know the walk-in's been that. I heard a lot of people talking about you know, wherever you're folding uh, napkins or doing roll-ups of silverware. So we need to, uh, again, normalize that, create that safety. Cat for you, a story, high-level thinking, walking dynamics. And this is a topic <laughs> near and dear to your heart, I know. So break it down <laughs> for us a little bit. Yeah, it, it sure is. I, I also just for a second, uh, Patrick, I wish I could give you a hug right now. I am so sorry for, for your loss and, and for this week. And I think all of us just want to wrap our arms around you uh, virtually. And and especially because I know that you have created such a safe and incredible environment for so many people at your restaurant and in your life. So I hope you are getting that same kind of care back. Um, I'm not a chef. I have never worked in a restaurant, uh, but I, the people who I care about very deeply, so many of them are people who work in restaurants. And I have asked uh, hundreds, like I was going to say dozens, but hundreds of them over the years in person and on uh, podcast about, you know, have you ever cried in the walk-in and why is this the right space for you? And the thing I kept coming back to with people is so much of it is about the physicality of it. I remember Alex Gornicelli, uh talking about saying it's that contrast of those hot tears and the coolness of the walk-in and 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 just like that, it, it's shocking you out of 
your body or your thought loop or something right in the moment. Um, Will Gadara has talked about uh, taking like taking his shoes off and just standing like in his socks on the floor there and feeling grounded and rooted uh, to that space. That that space absorbs sound. It absorbs uh, a whole lot of uh, physicality. Uh, one of the interviews I did with uh, was uh, Anita Lowe, and she talked about taking butter earlier in her career, taking butter and like throwing it against the wall in the walk-in as this incredibly visceral um, thing that she could do. She wasn't hurting the butter. She has said since then, she caveated that she is more respectful to butter now. But it was, you know, I know that people go in there and they, you know, they punch the flour, they do all these things, but it's just such a great place for that physical reset that I can tell you, I, you know, also, uh, you know, Katie, I appreciate you, you know, and everybody here who's talked about like their struggles with mental health. I definitely do. I've struggled my whole life. I had a giant panic attack earlier today. And all I could think of is I needed to get somewhere kind of physically safe and alone and possibly where I could have some sort of uh, emotional, uh, not outburst, but, you know, somewhere where it was safe to cry or scream or something like that. And, uh, you know, I cry in the shower a lot <laughs> is the thing I do. But also I have led um, groups of people in, in kitchens in group screams and walk in is a great place to do that or in an empty dining room. Um, I had a particularly healing scream some years back uh, where I had, it was soon after, um, actually it was several months after Anthony Bourdain had taken his life and I had been going around the country and talking with people from all around the country about trying to process through their pain of, of this moment. And it was just building up and building up and building up in me without me dealing with my own. And then I finally had a moment when I went into a room, cranked up uh, some industrial music, it was Skinny Puppy, and and screamed until I almost threw up and fell down on the carpet. And it was a reset for my whole body. And if we can sort of think of places that aren't even physically the walk-in that can be your walk-in, I think, and giving people a really healthy place to let it out, I think that could be a really good service all of us could provide. Be somebody else's walk-in. Kat, thanks for that. Two things that I think are important. I think we're going to touch on again and again uh, with the walk-in that I think is valuable. Is one is some of that soundproofing that, that you know that it's not going to uh, escape into the dining room because we put on a facade. It's part of our job to make sure that we put it all out there, leave nothing for ourselves and everything for the guest. And uh, a guest hearing that scream uh, would definitely not feed into their experience. And so we have to you know, hide those things. And grounding. Grounding is something I talked about a lot. I know Laura speaking on this, just dropping your body temperature. When you get hot and heated, you're physically hot and heated, not just uh, emotionally and psychologically. So uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more uh, as we go on as well. Mimi, tell us, walk-in. What's your relationship with the walk-in? Yes. Um, first of all, um, I'm sorry for your loss, Patrick. What a difficult time you must be going through right now and the strength you're showing by being here. I love what you said um, when you ask people how you're doing, really. Um, I, I resonate with that. So thank you. Um, and I want to also second what Laura said um, to thank Kat for her, her organization, Chefs with Issues. I heard about your organization three years ago at an ACF convention in Orlando. So good job for being out there and, and thanks for being here. So for me, you know, stress is part of the work, right? In hospitality. And we used to suppressing our feelings 
we used to toughen it out and not let things bothering us. But once in a while, we just get so frustrated and so angry that it's just too difficult to focus on any tasks until we've had a chance to release all this pent-up emotion. So I've cried at least once, and the most recent was about a couple years ago. Uh, when I have been working on a 16-hour shift, I was exhausted, and the belittling by a hierarchy member finally got to me, and I just couldn't take it anymore. And I could feel the blood rushing to my face. My heart was pounding fast. My eyes were all welled up, so I just sneaked into the walk-in where I finally released the tears and had a good cry. But I could never let anyone see me cry as the sign of weakness, which is kind of dumb, but that's just the culture, you know, um, which I'm sure is the same in all work cultures, right? You just don't cry at work. But in a restaurant, the walk-in protects me by giving me some privacy. And like Chef Jensen said, uh, the soundproof, you know, uh, made me feel like it's a safe space for me to let myself go emotionally. And especially being a woman in this pressure that you would never want to be seen at this unhinged emotional chef. So I would go in the walk-in, have a good cry, and the freezing temperature helps lessen the redness of my eyes and deep puffing of my face. And, um, you know, I, I know many chefs have emotional ties to that walk-in. Some even have names for it, like calling it the walk-in dead or the Christopher walk-in. Um, but no matter if you're a male or female chef, the walk-in is a safe space for all of us to cry or scream with that privacy. Um, but, you know, let's, let's, um, let's do something more productive to prevent us from having to go to that walk-in. Um, so I think someone, you know, suggested online about having regular check-ins, uh, as part of the staff meetings to, to check in on each other. So I'm done speaking. Thank you. Thank you for that. That was, that was vivid. I mean, even just the puffy eyes and things like that and having to recompose yourself to get back out there to get back in the, the heat of the battle, whatever that, you know, those tropes that we throw out there that you can't show weakness uh, yet I think a lot of times we hold that anxiety inside and we just are never as good. And sometimes getting that scream, as Kat mentioned, that cry out, and then you're actually ready to go back and, and put yourself back into a position to, to thrive, to succeed, to help your team, whatever that might be. So appreciate that and appreciate how personal that is for you. John, I know uh, walk-in has been top of mind for you and Chow, Aaron Boyle, Melinda, who's here this month, uh, Talk about the walk-in a little bit. What does it mean to you? Ah, thank you so much. Um, hey, Patrick, some motherfucking pies will be in the mail for you this week, I promise, if I don't deliver them next weekend, because I would love to get out of here for a little break. And um, I sure do love you, and I, I can't wait to see you again. Um, I'm actually sitting in the back of uh, Moxie Bread Company up in um, Louisville, Colorado, and they're closing up right now, and I can see their walk-in door opening and closing, and it looks like they have their rules posted on it. And uh, I am counting who's coming and going out of the side of my head, and uh, it's great. And um, 
you know, Jensen, when, when you put the post up to do this, we had just gotten, we've been trying to figure out a, a poster for Chow and, um, and the designer presented us with a walk-in door and it said 86% of restaurant employees uh, cry in the walk-in or scream. And I mean, I, I never looked at a walk-in door like that. Um, and so it, it said so many things to me, you know, and I've had so many experiences, but you know, it, now I get to um, deliver pies and stuff. And I see a lot of kitchens these days and uh, every kitchen is different. Some have pictures of St. Christopher walking on them or some other creative name. The, the one that my favorite one, we used to call the dome, take it to the dome. Um, you know, some of them have crazy cheese stickers all over them. Some look like they've been kicked in like a bomb shelter door. Some look, you walk into a brand new one and they're like virgins just waiting to, you know, take on all that energy ready for you. You know, it's crazy. I, that's kind of the whatever. But, you know, um, it's an amazing place. And then sometimes you go into a kitchen and they have a new one with a window. And I just want to get out of there because I don't think you should go inside those. And then... Um, and then they all have their scents. You know, some are fresh and flowery, and and some smell like meat. And some, you know, you're you you're like, where do they hide in the body up in this place? You know, somebody somebody's in here. Um, you know, and then the things that go on behind them. You know, um, you know, there's screaming, laughter, crying, drinking, booby traps are set, hard truths are told. Um, people are getting fired and people are getting hired. There's, you know, last night's gossip happening, drug deal. I mean, all the important stuff goes down in the walk-in. And, um, you know, it's a place, everything goes down at like a cool 38, deg 38 degrees. And um, it, it's just, you know, first rule about the walk-in is kind of like bike club. What's, what happens in the walk-in stays in the walk-in. And also for me, you know, getting it going into the solitude of it, you know, it shuts out all the banging of the of the of the dishes and the hooting and the hollering and, and the sound of the hoods in the kitchen are so droning. And uh, you don't realize it until you get out of there and you get a, a silence. But it's it's a lot like me that the walk in, you know, it's a lot like my head, like the bunker that I walk around with on my shoulders that I, I shouldn't really carries all this great information. Um, a lot of it I shouldn't listen to, you know, over this time, especially, you know, learning to speak with my heart has been huge um, for me. And so that that walk in is just like that, that heart came in is my head. Um, but it also contains, you know, the gems of our lives, all the things that feed us, our meat, our dairy, down to our microgreens. It's um, it's. Some, for some of us, it's our net, net worth in there. You know, all our creativity, everything in raw form. It's like an unsculpted stone, you know. And it contains, you know, the future of something that hasn't been tasted before. So there's all this wonderment um, within that environment as well. All this possibility you're surrounded by it. So um, that's what I have for that. Thanks. John, what a great way to end that the wonderment and possibility. <clears throat> I like that a lot. I think that that's something we can look at more. Sometimes we look at it as just a utility box that serves a practical function. And yes, it is. Yet maybe it's, maybe it's more than that. Maybe it's the culmination of all the humans have had an impact on that and all the, uh, 
all the moments yet to happen. I like that a lot. Uh, Laura, walk in, break it down for us, and make sure specifically talk talk temperature a little bit. You, you're the one who's got me thinking about grounding, got me thinking about the temperature and cooling down all the time. So walk in, what do we need to be thinking about? So, I mean, in regards to temperature, like, you know, as we're stressed out, what happens is like, and here's, I mean, here's the science bit, right? Like as we're stressed out, our adrenaline shoots up, we start sweating and all of this stuff and being in a cold environment directly counteracts that, right? It's, it um, brings us down a little bit. It forces us, the temperature of the room and the state of the room forces us to breathe deeply, especially when we're around so much heat. If you're in the back of house, you're around, you know, you're, <laughs> you're likely around fire you know in the front of house you're around the energy of people having good a good time you know and I realized in this you know as people started talking about the walk-in that on a personal level my relationship with the walk-in is different because I mean Kat mentioned that she hasn't worked in restaurants and everything but everyone else who's spoken so far is back of house and I'm my background is in the front of house so you know, either being, I was a terrible server, but then I moved into bartending and I became a fantastic bartender and then bar manager. And I had the pleasure of working in restaurants that were um, chef driven. And um, I didn't work in a lot of bars actually at all, like just standalone bars. There were always restaurants. And so all of my design had to do with supporting the cuisine, all the cocktail design, wine design, whatever that looked like had to do with supporting the cuisine. Um, But I think a lot about access also to the walk-in that, you know, being the bar manager or someone who worked with fresh produce for our cocktail menu um, of the front of house team, however large, I was usually one of the only people who had access to the walk-in and that there's this whole other side of this restaurant that had no, frankly, had no business being in the walk-in. They had, no reason to be back there. And the walk-in for me, you know, having, being front of house, being behind the bar, you can't even like, if you have a problem with a guest, your guest is staring right at you all the time. Even as a server, you can walk, you can go to the expo line, you can go to dish pit, whatever. As a bartender, you're like stuck. So it would be like, oh, we need more lemons. Oh, we need more tarragon. Oh, no, we're out of syrup. Oh, who didn't fill up the backup, you know? And, and then I would be able to escape to the walk-in. And I would say the restaurants where the front of house and back of house was the most cohesive never questioned my presence in the walk-in, but where there was more of a dynamic of um, competition. And, you know, I, I think we can all recognize the resentment that happens between front and back of house. Um it wasn't a space. It wasn't a, a space to be that was necessarily helpful, but more anxiety provoking. And that's something. Sorry to like kind of open up a can of worms, but that's not something I really considered until people started going around and sharing their relationship with the walk-in. But I will also say, in terms of temperature, even in my last years of bartending, I would walk every time I would walk into the walk-in every day, multiple times a day. I would think to myself, God, after all these years, I would think that I would get used to the cold because I would just be so cold in there and just be like, oh my God, I'm just still so cold. When am I going to be used to this? Um, I will also share though on a more lighthearted note since, you know, I I think I brought a dynamic in that, sorry, I don't think we were ready for it, but one of my favorite 
walk-in memories was an end of I was working front of house I was hanging out with all the back of house folks you're we all cleaning up and we ended our shift by smoking weed out of a lemon and the walk-in and that was very early on in my you know career time as a bartender and it was just such a special time of camaraderie and love and care and um I don't think I'll ever forget that in my entire life but it is it is a very special place and I, I will add one more thing too you know after I left bartending I started working with a distributor and I've been in a lot of walk-in spaces and if I'm consulting on a cocktail menu or whatever that looks like, I would always ask, like, can we visit the walk-in? Can I see where your garbage is? Can I see what you're using? That's going to inform how we build this menu. And I've seen many, many, many a walk-in in my career. And it's also a really great way to understand the state of a restaurant and state of employees and how they're doing and how they regard their work. It can all be measured. Like the walk-in is like the ultimate barometer of how a space is doing. And, and you know, I'll, I guess I'll leave it with that. But yeah, it's, it, is, it is such a special and complicated place. And I think we all have special and complicated relationships with it. But, you know, it's, it's, it's wonderful and it's cold <laughs> and that sometimes sucks and it's sometimes nice, but yeah, this is Laura and I'm done speaking. Yeah, Laura, I'll just apologize for all of the uh, cooks in the kitchen who are so territorial. It's, it's ridiculous. And it comes into that worth side of the equation of what we always work on is like, <clears throat> we didn't. I didn't have enough self-worth. I never quite fit in. All of a sudden, I found my people. All of a sudden, there was like a territory that was mine. I could claim it. And we, in those moments, I thought so small. I was like, this is my domain. And then you, you just play into those, those same cliches again and again. Uh, eventually, as I moved up in my career, I recognized that it's an opportunity to create the same emotional connection that a chef may have with walk-in and organizing his mise en place and going through the, the products in the walk-in and being able to share that, especially with bartenders, I think was something I, I really enjoyed. So I think we need more of that. So I appreciate you highlighting that. Uh, don't worry, it didn't bring us down at all. Uh, Patrick, for you, the walk-in you mentioned this week, again, grateful for you sharing this. Uh, the walk-in has been important to you very specifically this week. So talk about the walking and what it represents to you. Sure, I got three things that haven't been said. First, metaphorically here at the restaurant, when we blow up, no matter where it is, when we're done with our rant, we then tell each other that we are now leaving the walk-in, which means that, you know, whatever we've just said is not for everyone else and we're just blowing off steam and we appreciate the other person listening to us. Physically, I look at the walk-in what we do for a living, all of us, is provide moments of wonder and delight. <clears throat> and for me, the walk-in is the place to go in and, like someone said, to look around and see how we're going to hopefully create those moments for our guests and for our staff every day. And then the third thing is when my wife uh, heard that I was going on this, this, we were talking on this panel about the walk-in, what she said, hey, that's great, let's build a poster that says walk-ins, they're not for making it, just for making out anymore. Although she may not have used the word making out.
Patrick. Appreciate you uh, for breaking that down for us a little bit. Uh, Melinda, Steve, Monty, uh, thanks for joining us and appreciate you guys uh, being willing to share a little bit. Want to give you guys a couple moments uh, to give us your perspective, give us a story, a personal story of yours, ask anything of the panel. Obviously, have a ton of experience uh, personally and professionally kind of in this space, navigating it uh, as individuals, as organizations, as businesses, as consultants, all of it. So, uh, Melinda, you want to jump in? Sure. Um, can you all hear me? Hopefully. Yeah, you can hear me? Maybe? Yeah, we got you. Go ahead. Hello? We can all hear you, Melinda. Okay, thank you. Um, so, yeah, I, I did. I had some thoughts about the walk-in as I've been listening to everybody share their stories. Um, and, John, thank you for your um, quote, which is going to become a meme, the flavors of something that haven't been tasted before. Uh, that's pretty amazing. And, Patrick, um, I'm sorry, condolences on your loss as well. Uh, little fangirl episode here for me to be able to be in the same space as Kat Kinsman, huge fan. Um, but in regards to the walk-in, um, something that we do with people who are in early recovery as a counselor uh, is kind of establish the principle of integrity. So as within, so without, we take a look around their environment, whether it's their bedroom or their living, whether, you know, the sober residence they might be living in or um, their apartment, their environment in their neighborhood. Uh, and we say, what do we see manifested outside? Because whatever we see outside is usually a good reflection of what's going on mentally and spiritually and emotionally within a person. And so when I look at um, going into a new job, for instance, and I, the first thing I do is I look in the walk-in and I say, What's it like in here? Like what I can tell what a restaurant or a chef values by taking a look at their walk-in. If I see, you know, blue tape that's been cut with scissors and, you know, there's no misspellings on any of the labels and everything's dated, I can tell that meticulousness and precision is something that the restaurant values. If I go into the walk-in freezer and everything's stacked on the floor, I can tell that time is something that the restaurant values because they clearly prioritized it maybe getting back to work over the time it might take to organize the freezer. Um, so there's some, some deeper principles there too, like scarcity. Um, you know, I know my own experience in restaurants reflected my own internal and core belief that I'm not enough, right? And that kind of manifested in my surroundings through the theories that there's not enough butts in seats in the dining room. There's not enough space in the walk-in. There's not enough plates uh, to seat the whole dining room and turn it twice, or there's not enough um, equipment. We need a new this, that, or the other thing. Um, all the while, you know, there's usually a, a graveyard of, of partially broken equipment um, that owners don't want to get rid of because there's this scarcity mindset that we won't be able to replace it. Um, so, yeah, I look at I look at the walk-in as a bit more of a, a metaphorical extension of the values of the restaurant, the values of the people that work in it, um, and also you know to note what laura mentioned about sort of that grounding technique and the the psychology of being in the walk-in and, and having uh what we are naturally chefs super sensory right and chef mimi you're a super taster so you know um you know we, as chefs and as as hospitalitarians we take the five primal senses uh you know taste touch smell sight sound um and then we 
combine them, like those are the five mother sauces, we combine them into so many other sensory experiences like compassion, connection, love, soul, all these things that we talk about as ingredients in food that are non-tangibles. So going into the walk-in is like going into a sensory isolation tank. We're actually able to take down back to the basic five, touch, touch, taste, smell, sound, and, and be like, what am I tasting right now? What am I smelling? Like, John, I don't know where the body is in the walk-in. I hope I never find it. But that'll pass. Thanks. Hey, Jensen. Yeah. I'm sorry. I should I started waxing poetic. Can I add something from the psychological standpoint of what's happening sure. in the walk-in? So, okay. So the other thing is that when we are working in restaurants, there is a high... Um, there is a high calling of um, emotional labor that happens. If you're front of house, you have emotional labor with the, with the guest. If you're back of house, you put your head down and you get the work done. There's not really room for a lot of feelings. And that results often in a sort of splitting of ourselves. A, a and um, when we are able to exit those spaces and go into the walk-in, kind of like what Melinda, Melinda was saying, um, we're able to be whole again and we're able to take the beats that we need to come back to ourselves and check in with ourselves. So that's a, that's a really big part of it too that I should have mentioned earlier and I totally forgot because I started thinking about the weed lemons, but I wanted to throw that in there as well. So thank you, this is Laura, I'm done speaking. You just touched on something we've all gone through where we should be focusing on some of the things that are, are needed uh, by our bodies, our team in that moment, and we're all thinking about the weed lemons. Uh, hence the the John Travolta walking in the meme, uh, walking in the walk-in, can't find anything meme. It's a reality. Like all of a sudden, you go from dropping thirty-five degrees when you walk in that space, and your mind goes blank because your mind is so unbelievably overwhelmed. That's your it's your body telling you something. Uh, anytime you go in the walk-in and start doing dump, jumping jacks because you don't know what you're in there for. It might have been just your body saying, get your ass in the walk-in and cool the hell down for a moment. Appreciate that. Uh, Steve, thanks for jumping up on the stage. Uh, I see co-founder of Ben's friend, so obviously you're doing a lot of work in this space <clears throat> as well. Uh, tell us, want to add something, ask a question? Probably. Sure. Let me know. Yeah, sure. So thanks for calling me, Kat Kinsman, Miss Your Face. Can't wait till we can have a, a something beyond a virtual hug, a, a real hug, and I look forward to seeing you. Um, the walk-in for me has been an evolution that sort of uh, marries with mental health, so this is really appropriate. I, you know, when I was in active addiction, the walk-in was where we drank. It's where we snuck a shot in the middle of service. It was where you know, that was our quote unquote, what way to deal with the shit. And, um, it, it's, it's interesting cause, uh, w we've actually, uh, had interventions in the walk-in just to show the the changing of the times. And, uh, matter of fact, at our, at a Ben's friends meeting today, somebody was celebrating four years who of sobriety, who the first conversation was in, was in a walk-in. So, uh, what an, what an appropriate, I think, you know, just as the food that comes in our restaurants, you know, it, it begins and the walk-in begins as a sort of creative ideas. Um, our walk-in is now about normalizing. Uh, I always say, you know, we have to be okay not being okay and, and normalizing not being okay. Our 
or organization was founded by uh, on because a chef that worked for us committed suicide and we didn't even know he was struggling uh and so you know we we are constantly in conversation in lineup in pre-service we uh, we offer free mental health counseling so the walk-in for us has become you know i think it for everyone it's that place to decompress and it's that place to sort of step out of the chaos for for a minute and um in our mental health journey you know that that decision to get sober is just that it's stepping out of the chaos and and stepping into a safe place a quiet place um, a place of reflection so it's uh it's it's an interesting journey what the walk-in has meant for me uh, over the last 25 years and, and kind of the safe place that it represents in our restaurants now. Yeah, Steve, I really, really appreciate that you're also building it into the foundation of the business. Something that we talk about so often is we have to figure out a way to take those first steps to make it practical, to be able to apply what we're learning through these hard knocks so that our our people, our businesses, our community can thrive not just today, but in the long term, because the churn rate of people in our industry is massive. It's a huge vulnerability we see playing out, and it needs, uh, it's time for disruption. It needs a shift. So, Steve, thank you for that. Uh, Monty, want to have you jump in here, add to the conversation. What's on your mind? Hi, buddy. Good. Uh, thanks for pinging me in, man. I saw that pop up. I'm like, uh, I got to jump on there. Um, so first of all, thank you to everyone that is um, actively uh, pursuing helping our industry um, with uh, just mental wellness. Uh, I, I, want, I, I like the term mental wellness because sometimes we think mental health and we think that the person's just really jacked up. And it's not that we're jacked up. We just need, we just need some extra love and extra attention, you know. And so um, I appreciate all of you that are doing that. And uh, Patrick, I'm sorry for your loss. Um, I grew up in Sacramento, so as one Sacktown kid to another, I'm, I'm sorry for your loss, and uh, I wish you the best. Um, so I was fortunate um, to kind of, I, I did both. I was a chef uh, for a while in my career, and I was also front of the house for a while like Laura. And uh, the things, whether I was front or back, um, there's three things that I liked about um, about the walk-in, and, and a couple of them were already related uh, already. But one of them, one of them is just the fact that it's a metal box, and uh, you know, if if you're gonna if you're gonna hit something, it's gonna hurt when it's a metal box. And so you you know, unless you're pounding a, punching a box of uh, you know, vegetables or something, there's there's different outlets uh, physically that you can do. Um, and as well as, uh, you know, I took advantage of the temperature lowering um, by being in a cooler place. Sometimes I was so mad I had to go to the freezer part. So um, so that's, that's something that, uh, you know, in my career I've, I've experienced and had to deal with uh, both front and back. Um, when, once COVID hit, uh, my, man, my position was eliminated and I got into um, working coaching restaurant owners um, on how to create uh, work-life balance and and I'll say that you know when a lot of us grew up there was no work-life balance we were, it was it was a full commitment to our industry it was a full commitment to the passions that we had uh, and then we just partied like rock stars when we were off and there wasn't really 
any kind of balance in our life. And I think that when, um, when we have people around us that love us and we are spending time with them and that we're resting and, and taking care of our bodies, um, it, it's, it's so helpful in the mental game. Um, uh, so that's just something that I would encourage everyone to just really focus on, um, just work-life balance. And, you know, I learned something very, uh, very important probably halfway through my career that, you know, I was always like, the food has to be perfect. Um, it can't be a, a single mistake. The cocktail has to be perfect. And uh, one day I got really down on myself because I made something wrong. And the chef said, Monty, it's just food. It's, it's, it's important to get it right, but it's, no one's going to die if, you know, the, if the sprig of microgreens on top doesn't look right. So um, just kind of learning the, the balance of being passionate about things, but understanding that it's not life altering and ending if uh, something goes wrong uh, has helped me a lot in my career. Um, and then also just creating a work-life balance, um, which is interesting because I, when uh, Jensen, uh, when, I, when I jumped in here, I'm like, oh, this is going to be cool, but I'm going to the pool with my son and my wife in 30 minutes. So I've got a very limited window, but I really want to jump on here. Um, so I'm, I'm going to have to get off shortly, but I do want to hear uh, from more people, and I appreciate all the things that have been shared already. Monty, thanks for that. Work-life balance uh, is almost a dirty word in our industry. It meant that you weren't as passionate, weren't as committed, you weren't all in, and that's just that's just not the reality. And so I appreciate you pointing that out that, you know, we sometimes glorify our own abuse, self-inflicted or otherwise, and there's a difference between struggle and abuse, and I think we need to balance those things out. It's also really difficult because when I think of those moments of, of drinking too much, of drugs, of abusing myself physically, emotionally, mentally, others, I also have some of the greatest memories and have lifelong friends. So it's hard to separate the good from the bad. And I think sometimes when we start to point at our mental health, our mental wellness, it must mean that all of it was shit. All of it was for naught. And that's not necessarily the reality. So it's something that, you know, we need to really reconcile with. And so this is really great. We touched on a lot of these elements. I do want to take a couple minutes just to make sure there's any other practical things. I'm so big on this. Patrick, obviously, we got to talk about the box for a moment. Uh, Kat, I want, you, you mentioned it, but I want to think about that that screaming uh, as, as, a, as an individual or team exercise. So psychological safety was one thing, safe spaces. You know, we've done these things in these areas and it was kind of don't ask, don't tell. You knew what was happening. You just pretended like you didn't know. You didn't want to make eye contact. When somebody walked out of the walk and you knew that they had an emotional outburst of some type, you avoided eye contact, right? And we need to create psychological safety so that they know that that's okay. And we're going to do things, as Mimi mentioned, to mitigate that on the front end so it doesn't become so necessary. Yet no matter what, even if it's all adulation, sometimes you just need to get off of that high and just pull yourself down a little bit, you know, even if it's all in the positive realm. So I think creating those spaces, very important. Normalizing communication, obviously something Patrick with the box is doing really well. Steve mentioned that is incredibly important. 
pre-shift, just normalizing. Here's the features tonight. Here's the low calls. Here's the 86. Here's the new wine. And, and how's everybody doing, really? Right? And it just becomes matter of fact. That's why I keep talking about mental health mise en place. We have to set our stations. Deploy the things that we do really well against the things historically that we don't. So another element. And then, uh, yeah, anything for de-escalation, any of that. So maybe, uh, Patrick, uh, you want to tell people quick about the box? Because I think it's something I'd love for people to take away from this that they can start potentially applying. Yep, sure. When, so when we started, when folks kind of created together with us, uh, I got your back. My wife, we, we brought it back to the restaurant. My wife, said, who's brilliant, I just want to emphasize that my wife is brilliant, said that uh, this is important, but only it's only going to work if we do it every day, if this becomes part of the conversation. Took an empty tea box, four colors for construction paper on the outside, and drew faces. Happy, neutral, angry, and in the weeds. And every day, two or three times a week, twice a month or so, um, when you come in and check in, we ask you to put a card with the corresponding color to how you're feeling in the box. And then at lineup, we go through all those things and then say, what's the temperature of the restaurant? Nine happies, two neutrals, one angry, but we know that's Dan because he's always angry. But tonight we got three people in the weeds. So what are we gonna do to have a successful night knowing the three of us are blue? If you're one of those people who put a blue card in, what can we do for you? And third, uh, what are you gonna learn from tonight that it's gonna help you next time when you're not in the weeds but someone else is and how are you gonna be able to help? And that's it, right? That's the magic. Happens later when you're pulling mats, making stock, folding napkins, uh, polishing silverware, and it opens up that opportunity to have real conversations, right? So as you're having that mental health mise en place, it's super simple and super powerful. The important one, the last important piece for us was that the box be just colors and faces. Some of the folks who are helping us, who are professionals, um, we pushed back on because they said, well, you need to have lots of words on it to explain all these things. And my wife said, fuck that, I'm dyslexic, so I don't read. Mo a lot of our people are English as a second language, and at least eight of them are Spanish as a second language as well, because they're from the mountains in Michoacan, so they don't speak Spanish. So just having the faces is uh, super important, and to create that space where we can all talk to each other. And to paint a picture, and we'll get a link to this so everyone can get connected to this. It's just such a brilliant thing because it's so simple and it so takes people out of the heaviness. This is fucking heavy. Like there's so much emotional baggage individually as teens, as businesses, as an industry that goes into this. So the fact that there's just this box that looks like it's just kind of a little arts and crafts project that allows you the opportunity to normalize that where it doesn't become as heavy, it just becomes kind of part of the normal run of show. And I think that's deploying something we do really well, pre-shift. And, and it gives us, gives us the chance every day to re-emphasize that our superpower is hospitality and caring for others. And just by taking that one moment every day to say, let's care about ourselves, let's turn it in on ourselves, 
not only helps us, makes us feel better, but makes us stronger as a team because we realize that we really do have each other's back. Respect makes so much sense. All right. I want to take a couple more minutes and be respectful of everyone's time. Just want to get any more practical things like the box. What can we do? Specific techniques. You know, uh, I've been joking around this thing where I just want to have like you have calls all day. You're like, you know, order in two halibut. I want to be order in, walk in three, where somebody you recognize that they're having an issue, you just go walk in three. It doesn't have to be a big deal. They go take three minutes in the walk in. Those are the little things that we can do that just make it a simple interaction, a human moment that doesn't have to be big and heavy. You don't have to take somebody into the walk in where everybody knows they're getting their ass reamed. They can just go get walk-in three, right? So those are the things I'm very fascinated in. Kat, you mentioned that you're taking people through some process. What are maybe a couple things that we can specifically do? And I want to open it up for a couple minutes. Anybody else who has some specific practical things? We know restaurant people. We need our mise en place. We need our recipes. We need our our, uh, side work checklists. We need to be able to make it something that we can actually apply. But Kat, some of your work, what, uh, what can we be doing? Yeah, I always tell people to do this as a team. So it's not like, hey, this we're, you know, we're singling out this one particular person. If it's normalized and everybody does it, do it at lineup, do it like, you know, while you're cleaning, just, you know, find what what those moments are and have everybody breathe together. And, you know, you like, you know, you count off your breaths together and inhale and exhale on the same thing, or you somehow agree, I don't know, talk to your neighbors, talk to whatever like that, and have a group scream that way, like, that's a really bonding thing amongst people. But also like, somebody who didn't even know that they needed to do that thing is going to get to do it. And it just really becomes normal if it's if it's not just like the one person kind of having to sneak off like, if everybody's doing it, you just you develop that common language and uh it can be really cathartic and bonding um can we do one of those right now i would not be opposed i don't know if everybody wants to scream throw this on everyone force everyone but i feel like we might have to uh we we might have to demonstrate uh this behavior i remember howling at the moon at eight o'clock when uh when covid first started that very much felt felt really good i don't know turn on your mics if you guys want to i'll just yell by myself i'm not i'm and not do a... it do yeah do it from your stomach not your throat is really really important wow okay cat what is, what does that mean do it from your stomach i'm not i'm not a singer does that mean i gotta like i can't be all I nasally so like if you're screaming and you're just screaming you can feel it in your neck if it's starting there that's going to rip your throat up for days and that's going to really suck. But if you can like go down into your belly, like find your breath down in your belly and push it out and make noise while you're doing that. All right. And what do you say? Count of three or like lead us. Let's do it. I'm ready. You can, you know what? I'm going to do it. And if it's cool, sorry if this is too loud, but I'm going to like, like grunt, howl, like make a like feral noise. If that is okay with everybody. (laughs) I'm down. I'll, I'll go there with you. Whatever it is, you count it off and we'll, okay. we'll do it. Okay. And then we'll mute our microphones quick and then get on with it. Okay. Three, two, one. Ah! Ah! That oh, big. yeah. Oh, that felt good. It's like, real, uh, real good. It's, like, it's like your ears <laughs> pop when, when, you, when you're on an airplane. You know that moment of like levity where it's like, oh. 
your, your, your skin tingles a little bit. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that being a team thing. I, I love that. Uh, just simple, practical. It can be goofy and playful. I remember one of my restaurants, Tag Restaurants, we used to actually do a little huddle. Everyone made fun of me, but we put all hands in right before each shift. And even if there are people in the dining room and we wanted people to be in the dining room, we'd say one, two, three, tag. And you could tell just from how people said the word tag where they were at. You know, I made a lot of eye contact and it was like, hey, that person was like digging deep for that. Uh, they were like scratching the bottom of their soul for that one. So I appreciate that. You know, I think it can be kind of dumb sometimes. And, you know, and people can go, I'm not doing that. Uh, I'm not singing Kumbaya by the fire, but, you know, it's, it's, it's helpful. I don't know. That felt really good. I'm, I'm babbling. Uh, anybody else? Last couple minutes yeah. here. What else can we yeah. be doing? Practical so, applications. Jensen, I definitely want to go over something. Um, I just started in my company. I'll go over quick because I think Laura and uh, Mimi both want to speak too. Uh, so I started a weekly wellness program and it's just something I drop into them at pre-shift on a Friday. They can take it through their weekends. And, you know, I do things like uh, how to mitigate stress during your shift. Um, I've done things like positivity reinforcement. I started doing gratitudes with them. And um, to Patrick's credit, you know, I actually use your walk-in, or not your walk-in system, but your color coding system. Um, that's one of the programs that um, I put in place. I actually read about it. So kudos to you. And my heart breaks for you, brother. Um, I hope you're you're doing okay down there. Um, but, you know, just the weekly wellness thing and just really emphasizing like positivity and wellness and, and not having that mental health stigma um, has made a really big difference. Hey, that made me so unbelievably happy that you are using the box because that that's it. This The fact that you guys are now connected here, even though you already were connected, I want to make sure I'll connect you guys via email and stuff because I think it'd be really great as Patrick is leading the way with this to understand how other people, you know, completely outside of his kind of nuclear circle and community are applying their methodology. I think that's so... So cool. Unbelievable. All right. Yeah, anything it's, it's anything else? Changer. Laura, Mimi, I saw yes. you guys unmute your um, microphones. Last thoughts? Yes, Chef. Um, so I noticed uh, quite a few of us uh, on stage here don't have our Instagram account connected to our uh, Clubhouse account. And, uh, you know, some people in the audience might want to contact you. And so my suggestion is to uh, type in your bio Instagram and then your account. Even if you know you're an Android user and you can't, you know, connect it to your your Instagram yet. But like, I wanted to connect with Steve, and he's gone now. But um, he didn't have his Instagram connected as well. So, um, just just something that maybe might be helpful for the audience who wants to contact any of us up here. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate that. And, and uh, maybe I will make sure and get you connected with Steve because uh, I think that'd be a good contact for you. Laura, I had seen that you uh, unmuted. You want to uh, you want to take us out here? Any yeah. last thoughts from the <laughs> from the professional in the room? I'll take it out. Um, so two practical things to think about. I love the yell. I love this the, the scream and that sort of like guttural release. Um, I did not scream because I'm just happy that this dog is sleeping and I'm just I just want to let him do that <laughs> my release is his sleep um but what happens with that is that when we build stress and i mentioned this a little bit earlier but stress the way our bodies react to stress is that we're building energy in our body and one of the ways that we can relieve that stress is 
truly just releasing that energy in the body. So that can be through a guttural scream and the difference between, you know, to Kat's point about like screaming from the, the throat versus from your solar plexus, like from your body is that it becomes a full body release when you're yelling. Another way that you can complete the stress cycle is just to kind of shake it off. I mean, I just was talking about my dog, so I'll use him as an example too. Like when you see dogs shake, that's them releasing energy. And it's the same with us. If we're experiencing stress that we can't really cope with or address in the moment, just like shaking out our hands can do the trick just to get us to the point that we can really start addressing the stress and what's causing it. Um, Oh my God, the other thing that I was going to say Oh, so what that's called is um, completing the stress cycle. So we are finishing the stress cycle. We are able to complete why the stress happened and all of that. So the other thing about the walk-in that I want to bring up is, and this ties in with um, Patrick's uh, box, is emotional intelligence and um, taking a meta pause. So when Patrick is asking his teams and, you know, in other restaurants that have adopted this intervention to pick a color and throw it in there, we're also building emotional intelligence skills. So people are taking the time to say, how am I feeling? What am I thinking? And how can I communicate that? And those are really wonderful skills to build that we don't really get a lot of space to build in the hospitality industry. So a menopause is that moment that you can take when you have an emotional reaction to something and a thought attached to that reaction. Let's say you have a run-in with a colleague or a guest or your chef yells at you and you have an emotional reaction. It's that space that you take to be like, okay, I'm not gonna judge what I'm feeling. I'm not going to judge why I'm feeling it, but I'm just going to consider why I'm feeling it. And that's called a menopause, taking that moment to say, okay, why did that happen? I'm acknowledging that that happened and I wanna know why that happened. And it allows you space and time to not react to it, but to respond to it and start moving forward. The more practice you take with these metapauses, the faster they become so that the metapause might be just a split second of like, oh, I felt that, I'm gonna move forward. Um, but yeah, hit, uh, look up, um, what is the book called? The Permission to Feel, Dr. Mark Brackett, really, re really wonderful book. And you can you can integrate metapause and emotional intelligence into your service, front of house, back of house management. It really doesn't matter. There's use for all of it. But the walk-in, all of that being said, is a really great place to take that metapause and just have that moment of reflection of like, I felt like that. I'm not sure why I felt like that, but I want to acknowledge it. So that's all I got for y'all. Thank you. Laura, thanks for that. Uh, I'll add one more thing, and then I do want to let all the panelists, all of what Mimi said, uh, just to mention where people can get a hold of you, best place to contact you if they want to interact, as again, this will be live on Best Served Podcast at noon uh, Eastern time on this upcoming Tuesday. So, you know, we'll have uh, people downloading from there. So this will be evergreen. So people will want to continue to ongoingly be in contact and getting support or insights from this amazing panel. But I want to add uh, the meditation apps is something that I'm utilizing. I use one called My Life, and it pretty much is just breathing. I just count my breaths because I am so overactive in my mind that I just need to slow down and just count my breaths for three minutes. And so I think it's something very simple that takes you out of that frenetic energy that I think is what a lot of people in restaurants need. So just breathing 
having control over your breath is uh, something super important. So I would add that. Uh, yeah, everybody wants you to have the opportunity to tell where to share. Uh, for us, besserpodcast.com is an amazing place to go and hear stories from, from so many people. Uh, we host, our blog platform hosts any and all people to write articles. Several people in the room right now, Sophie, Terrell, Paulo have uh, written articles because we believe that it is our job to amplify the worth and work of people who feed their communities, which means we need to create a safe space for them to share their stories and be a part of a narrative that affects them personally and professionally, and not just those that have been anointed to speak on behalf of our industry. So very, very important to us and uh, Besser Podcast on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, where a lot of our live episodes are. So that's where you can find us. Uh, Katie, where can people find you? Uh, so I'm on Instagram and Facebook, uh, Coach Katie Horn. And then I also have ChefKatieHorn.com, where I publish a bunch of articles. Um, same thing with LinkedIn. So that is the best way to get a hold of me. Cat for you. Um, ChefsWithIssues.com will be back up soon. Somebody uploaded some malware, so that's a great time. But you can get to us through the Facebook group for Chefs With Issues. I'm on Instagram at Kat Kinsman, on Twitter at KittenWithWhip. And if anybody wants to email me, I'm cat.kinsman at foodandwine.com. John, where do we get these motherfucking pies? Where do we get a hold of you? <laughs> that's um, I can be found on the Instagram at Pie Craftsman and um, Chowco.org. That's C H O W C O dot O R G. And also at HinmanPie.com. H I N M A N P I E.com. Thank you so much for having me today. And, l- and let's make sure we get Patrick some pies. The, m- the man deserves some pies. Laura, for you, where we can we uh, get connected with you? Yeah, so on Instagram, um, healthy poor is at healthy.poor, P-O-U-R. Um, the website is healthypoor.org. It is under construction since I'm relaunching as a consultancy. And you can find me on like my personal Instagram, which honestly lately I find to be more <laughs> like effective in terms of learning stuff like this. It's at laura.louise.green. I talk a lot about therapy. I talk a lot about equity um, you know, issues like psychological issues that we encounter in the hospitality industry, psychological safety is a big thing that I've been talking a lot about lately. So yeah, definitely follow me if you need help with your bar or restaurant, holler. And yeah, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here and to be speaking with so many wonderful people. Thank you. Patrick, when we're in Sacktown, we need to come look you up, but in That's the interwebs, where can we find you? Uh, I got your back.info is the website and anybody wants to talk to me it's let's talk at I got your back.info there or you can just uh, use the Google Munster for Mulvaney's B&L and uh, figure the way downstream there happy to talk to anybody Jensen and everybody thanks for having me and thanks for talking about this stuff and mostly thanks for all the support it really means a lot have a good day Thank you, Patrick. Thanks for all the leadership and the openness. Uh, I've set a good example for all of us. That's it. We're going to wrap this room. Uh, definitely check out other uh, episodes of Us on Clubhouse as we've been talking about 
challenging the brigade system, how to prevent burnout. And then this upcoming week, we're going to be talking about uh, six signals to be able to understand if somebody is struggling. And uh, Kat will be back with us, I know. And uh, a great lineup of speakers there. Katie Osuna from Copper Heat Podcast will actually be hosting the uh, the room for us. So exciting times. Uh, thanks to all the panelists, Katie, Kat, John, Laura, Patrick, and uh, Mimi, who had to jump. Everyone who jumped up on stage. Everyone for listening. Appreciate you all. Have a great rest of your day. And uh, take care. Thanks for listening to the Best Served Podcast. Subscribe to our show and connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Tune in next week to discover more unsung hospitality heroes.